0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of PodMosh. Today we have Jim Ross, Arlington Mayor Candidate. So it was a really great conversation. He's actually a long-term police officer, went back and got his law degree. Now he's been doing law for a number of uh, big names within the Arlington, Dallas, Fort Worth area. A really cool story. We talk about diversity, race issues, or just a whole number of things. Y'all enjoy, I had a wonderful conversation with Mr. Ross and uh, wish him the best of luck in his campaign. Questions for me before we get started?
1: Have a conversation. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I love that. You know, I think a lot of interviews, uh, interview mindsets, kind of uh, don't give the full picture on candidates or the or the full story. So conversations is what I've been trying to push for every one of my podcasts. So that's perfect. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I, I purposely didn't look you up fully. Like I look up all your views and look you up on why you're running or anything like that, because I kind of wanted to have a fresh perspective when I first came in to talk with you. So, you know, take me from the beginning. Who are you? What do you do? Um,
1: I'm probably the strangest candidate for mayor we've ever had. I, guess. <laughs> <Sweet>. uh,
0: <laughs> I love
1: that. <laughs> um, I never thought about running for any office at all. That's not what I dreamt of doing. Um, uh, I grew up inner city, Detroit. Ah. I, uh, uh, spent four years in the Marines.
0: Oh, thank uh, you for your service, man. I really appreciate that.
1: Thank you. Uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps, nobody was working in Detroit back then. It was in the early eighties. So I had an aunt in Texas that said, everybody's working here. So I came to Texas and, uh, got hired on by the Arlington police department in 1983. Oh, and, nice. Um, so I spent 13 and a half years with Arlington. Um, I was a part of Arlington's first full-time SWAT team. I taught self-defense at the police academy for years. I actually developed Arlington's own first police academy. I spent almost seven years undercover buying drugs for a living. Uh, there
0: you go.
1: <laughs> I, did, I did a lot of fun things. And... Uh, So I remember testifying in court a lot and watching lawyers and thinking, I can do better than that. So at the ripe old age of 36, I uh, uh, hung up the badge and uh, went to law school, took my retirement, went to law school and finished when I was 38 years old.
0: Wow.
1: Mm My first 10 years, I I did large law firm litigation with a lady named Erin Brockovich. Remember that movie?
0: Yeah. Um, So uh, she was like your partner in all that?
1: She's a good friend of mine. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: uh, She and I worked on environmental cases all over the country together.
0: Jeez. What was that like?
1: It was pretty cool. I mean, you know, I I love doing the underdog thing, you know, Mm -hmm. going after the big companies who are making everybody sick and, and, uh, you know, standing up for the people. So uh, well,
0: that that situation is exactly what happened to my family, where there's a gas. Well, that next door spilled over onto our property. We got sick. All our dogs died. We had to move out. We were homeless for like a year. It was like the the picture perfect story of what you guys have been fighting against. So it's kind of a, kind of a hot button topic for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it
1: was, and, and and it's easy to get passionate for stories like that because you know, what we found was the big companies just sort of shrug it off. It's like a price to pay. And uh, so, I mean, it, I've even um, sued companies out of Japan you know, wow. owned owned businesses here in the United States, and yeah, then when we sued them, they'd shut the business down and they took off back to Japan. Like, no big deal. yeah, we we still brought them back here and held them accountable, and it was pretty cool.
0: So that's uh, man, one of these days, I'd like to hear more of those stories. I know for us, the biggest issue that we had was we didn't have a baseline test, and so their main argument, I think, we worked with uh, Wolf Eagle Environmental, but their main argument was that. Because there was no baseline test up to base it off of, they pretty much shrugged it off and said that was probably there before we even did anything. I was like, Oh, come on, man. There's a six by there's a six by ten patch of gray liquid four feet deep that are, that is is that got all our puppies and dogs sick and killed them. I was like, that's frustrating. But anyways, I'm glad that's really cool to hear that you and uh Ms. Brockovich were really fighting against that. That's amazing.
1: It, it was fun. So then I uh, 11 or 12 years ago, I decided to go out on my own. So I opened my own place um, uh, went out and it was just me at first. I answered the phones, took out the trash, drafted my own memos and petitions and uh, the firm's grown now. We have three locations our primary location still here in Arlington. We have a, almost 40 employees, um, uh, 12 lawyers. And and have received a lot of uh, awards for what we've done. I mean, Veteran-Owned Business of the Year for the Small Better uh, Small Business Association. Um, We um, were voted the best place to work in Tarrant County uh, under fifty people. Wow, Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, You know, we we had a lot of kudos for some of the stuff we've done. So,
0: so why why did you get so many rewards? Like, what are awards? Like, what? What about your mindset and building your company has made it such a great place to work?
1: You know, if if businesses would focus on their relationships more than making money, if they'd focus on, yeah. um, you know, developing and nurturing relationships, my philosophy has been, you judge my success and my wealth based upon my relationships, my relationships with God, family, friends, colleagues, community co-workers, employees, employers, you know, that's what makes everything work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll give you, for instance, my law firm is the official law firm of the Texas Rangers, the Dallas Stars, Dallas Mavericks, American Airlines Center, the Dallas Wings, Texas Live, all that stuff. But we're not the official law firm because we're the best law firm around or we're the one that makes the most money there's been a lot of law firms trying to get in with all of these big professional organizations. We're the official law firm because we're good at building relationships and they came to us, we didn't have to go to them. And uh, um, they came to us after turning down other law firms. So Hmm. it's, you know, it talks about that's, you know, it's, it's really all about the relationships is the bottom line. And, um, you know, the better your relationships, the better plumber you're going to be, the better lawyer you're going to be, the better accountant you're going to be, um, you know how to deal with people, your business will get better.
0: There's a, that, that's amazing. Cause that's very similar to what, uh, like my last episode, I just had Maddie Parker on for Fort Worth. She's around uh, running uh-huh. for Fort Worth right now. And, uh, that's kind of what, that's what she's been pushing for a long time. She, she opened this nonprofit to connect the dots for a lot of uh, relationships or a lot of kids in the K through 12 arena. And on top of that, she's been pushing for uh, better workplace environments, basically, where exactly what you're talking about, the relationships, the connections, the quality of life of your employees are what make... A business succeed. You know, if, if your employee is at work every day, Monday through Friday, it's extremely stressful. There's no grace for anything that they do. You know, if they're having a rough day, if, if if their home life is terrible, then their work life is not going to be as productive. So if employers could really push for a strong, um, supportive community in their home life as well, then their work life productivity is going to go through the roof. And that's exactly what
1: if you don't give employees a place to work that they look forward to coming to work, you're never going to take advantage of getting their full potential from them. You know, people have to like where they're at. They have to like what they're doing. And if they're dreading coming to work, if they're like, Oh, I got to get up and go again. This sucks. You know, you're never going to get the best out of them, you know? So if you want to get the best out of people, develop those relationships, you know understand what makes people happy and, and try to do it because they will in turn do well for you
0: so big time so what led to that mindset for you you know you've you've been through a whole lot of experiences in life everything from apd to teaching to now running for office what was all right we go again um like i was saying your uh your mindset you know, is not normal, and and everybody's trying to get to that bottom dollar. Everybody's trying to just make money, and they're, and they're running over their employees um, on the way. And even, there's one uh, leadership theory that's taught in a lot of places. It's called the LMX theory of leadership. I don't know if you've heard much of that. You have, okay. So the the breakdown of the LMX theory is that you can treat different employees not based on their work ethic, but on how well they basically kiss your ass. That's kind of a, uh, that's a very blunt way of saying it, but I've been a part of organizations that have done that and you don't, you're not rewarded by how well you work, but how well you are friends with your manager. Right. So how, how is that? Like, how is that an okay thing to teach in your, from your uh, point of view as a CEO, as a teacher, how is that okay? (laughs)
1: Well, you never learn anything if, if you surround yourself with the yes people who are always telling you, yes, yes, I get it. And they're kissing your butt on a regular basis. That doesn't benefit anybody. So here's the light bulb that went off for me, I guess, when it came more. It first came with how to develop relationships with clients. And then that sort of spread. Um, I've always believed in just treating people decent. But when I opened up my own law firm, I had never run my own business before. I'd worked for the government. I worked for big firms. I didn't have to worry about where my clients or customers were coming from. All I had to do was focus on working. I had a good work ethic. My employers, whether it was the city of Arlington or the law firms I worked at, always took care of me. Uh, because i worked well so when i opened up my own law firm i'm like well how in the world do i get clients so i wasted a ton of money i took out phone book ads first of all who on god's earth uses the phone book anymore (laughs) um i did phone book ads i did i did internet stuff my online subscriptions I tried billboards. I did all kinds of crazy. The only thing I didn't do were the crazy lawyer commercials because I thought they were deals. <laughs> okay. But maybe I should have, I don't know. Mm. But um, I didn't do any of that. And one day this, this older guy came to see me. He probably about 70 years old. And didn't really have a big legal issue. I talked to him for about 30 or 40 minutes And uh, he thanked me um, and tried to pay for the consultation. Um, I never charge anybody to come in and talk to us. You can talk to any of my attorneys. Your consultation's free. You come in, if we can help you, we'll tell you what we can do. If you want to hire us, great. If you don't, that's okay as well. So I said, no, sir, Um, you know, we don't charge for this. He thanked me, took one of my business cards and left. I didn't think anything else about it. About a year and a half later, I get a phone call from a, a family up at Harris Methodist Hospital in Fort Worth. And they say, uh, "They said, Mr. Ross, our 28 year old son was hit by an 18 wheeler and lost his leg. And he's paralyzed on the other side. And uh, can you come talk to us? And I said, sure. So I went and talked to them. They hired me. I settled that case for enough money to take care of that young man for the rest of his life. And I got paid a lot of money on that as well. But when I was talking to this family, I said, how did y'all find me? I'm a little shop over in Arlington. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How did y'all find me out of all the law, law firms that are around? They looked around me and they said, well, it's that guy over there. And I turned around and the janitor in the hospital was the little old man that came to see me about a year and a half ago. And he had kept my business card in his wallet for a year and a half. And he heard the family saying, we need to find a lawyer. And he went over there and pulled it out. And he says, I know the nicest lawyer. (laughs) And he gave him my card and they called me. It was that short little dealing that gave me an opportunity to create a relationship with that guy. Hmm. And that's what paid off. So wow. it dawned on me then that, listen, if you just focus on doing people right, period, just doing them right, it will pay dividends. You know, for instance, I had lawyers at work for me and clients would be unhappy and they, they think we we build them too much. Um, well, God knows lawyers, we probably do sometimes, you know, um, and they would call and complain. And I'd say, I'd say, well, okay. Would it make you happy if I cut $500 off the bill or would it make you? And they'd, oh yeah, yeah, that would be great. Thank you. And I do it. And my young lawyers would go, but we earned that. Well, I mean, that was our money. We legitimately earned it. And I said, I get it, but it's not about that little bit of money, Mm -hmm. it's about that long relationship. And then those people would in turn send me all kinds of different clients. So if you just focus on keeping people happy, you're going to make mistakes in life. That's, that comes without saying, but own your mistakes, be honest about stuff and make people happy. Um, Build those relationships and, Whatever your business is, even if you're doing podcast here, yeah. you know, it will grow, and uh just stay focused on those relationships. So I've been blessed, and you know, we now employ. I own a restaurant here as well in Arlington, the oh. Mercury Chop House. The one, uh, the Mercury Chop House, Arlington. Oh, where is that? Uh, it's on the ninth floor of Brook Hollow 2 Plaza on Lamar. It overlooks the entertainment district. Beautiful piano bar, what? fine dining, steakhouse. It's pretty cool. Man, so that's amazing. Between my businesses here, we employ almost 100 people in Arlington. Wow. Um, so, you know, and it's 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 doing great. We so, survived the pandemic and you yeah. are kicking it now, so.
0: So really you're the, the success here is just developing relationships and you've done that in every area of life. Everything. So why do people break those relationships? Why, why is this not? If this is the way, if this is the best way to succeed it, and if this is the best way to grow a business, why is this idea not taught? Cause it's not taught in schools. It's not taught in your undergrad. It's just something you eventually learn in life. But. Every business, like you're saying, like we have a business world, right? honestly, every, any area sphere of life, it's not about playing the long game. It's about what can you do right here, right now to make as much money and burn this relationship to take advantage of them, to make your life better. That's kind of what's, that's the the ideal right now. And in relationships, networking is not a thing. So why?
1: Well, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's taught as much as it needs to be in any arena, not just the corporate arena, mm. but whether it's in people's personal arena, whether it's in politics, you know, look at what has happened to the nation and how divisive our nation has become now where people not just hate each other because of our cultural differences, but they hate each other because of our political differences. You know, that, uh, that shouldn't be happening. You know, we're all part of the same race. We're all part of the human race. And if we learn to treat each other with the love and respect that everybody deserves, everything else has a tendency to work itself out and embrace our differences. Don't, don't fight about them and you can embrace political differences. I am a a moderate person when it comes to politics. You know, I have some conservative thoughts. I have some, what people would consider liberal thoughts, but I will listen. I will learn from people on both sides of the fence. Uh, I love the mixture of ideas. I think we have to learn to get back to doing that. You know, Years ago, we had politics where we had Ronald Reagan as president and Tip O'Neill, and they were as different as night and day, Yeah. but they knew how to get together and compromise and talk to one another. And we don't see that anymore from anybody really i mean we just don't see it and we need to get back to dealing with people in a decent way and stop the finger pointing and stop all of the rhetoric of, you know the divisive rhetoric and and just start and treating people decent you know so no, i
0: completely agree but the only thing is with that is that you know we hear uh, let me just kind of rip back up a little bit. Um, younger, the younger generation is kind of just done with politics. It's you either get the crazies on the left or the crazies on the right, as far as young, young people go. And um, most of my crowd that I run with, they just don't care about politics anymore because it's just not doing anything for them. There's no change. They don't care. They think that politicians are literally just saying what you're saying to get the vote. Now, I, I'm, I know for me, that's not the case. I, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. I completely agree, but what you're saying is is uh, been said before, <laughs> and it seems it sounds like it all came these came up with all the original stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, I I love what you're saying, but like, what's the core issue? Like, why do people um do all these things that everybody's seeing? And you want to fix it? You're wanting to bring because I mean, Arlington is a, one of the most diverse cities around. Um, You have a very strong Asian population, a very strong Hispanic, African-American and Caucasian population. All of the – but you have every population in Arlington. I think it's wonderful. I love that. And you're saying you want to bring all these divisions together, but how do we do that tackling the core issue? You know, politicians can say what they want to say all day, but if there's not an actual plan to to, uh, tackle the core issue, to understand that core issue, nothing will change. What what do you consider the core issue to be? That's gay? what I'm. That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> I mean, I I just think that I think people are, are running with an identity in politics when they're they're putting all their weight in one basket. They think that the savior of the world is going to be the next president. They think that the savior of the world is going to be um whoever future leader. But really, the every future leader is just human. And yeah. I think that a lot of people are wanting to put their hope and trust in something that's just humanity, and that you can't do that. And I think people are search still searching for hope. But I think that's what's happening. People are wanting to search for hope, and you can't do that in in just uh, or I guess you your ideals have to be not in humanity. <laughs> so you know I, I look at
1: I look at society like this. We have a tendency to allow a couple of different things to help control what we do. One of them is comfort. Okay. Where whether it's the food we eat, whether it's the people we hang out with, whether it's the the activities we participate in, we have a tendency to do those things that make us feel comfortable. Yeah. Okay. And when when we hang out with our friends, you typically will will hang out with your friends that are a part of your culture. But now when I say culture, I'm not necessarily referring to just race. You're talking about age, maybe gender, maybe race, but cultural beliefs. You know, when I was a police officer, it didn't matter if my friends were, black or hispanic or whatever we had a tendency to hang out with other cops yeah and that was more of a culture for us so you have your culture of friends that's your comfort zone and we have a tendency to be dictated in part by cult by comfort those things that make us feel comfortable and sometimes by fear those things that we don't know about, we have a tendency of fear and the fear I'm talking about is not the kind of stuff that, you know, walking down a dark alley, is scary type of fear. The fear I'm talking about is, is fearing vulnerable about a lack of knowledge about different things and immersing yourself into an environment where we don't know a lot about it. Hmm. So, um, you know, I'm, I may not know a lot about an Asian culture, you know, so I'm I'm a little hesitant to get into the lunar new year celebration. And I don't go over there because I don't know, you know, what foods are gonna be good to eat, what foods aren't, you know, what am I gonna like? I don't understand what feeding the dragon means. I don't get all now, I understand <laughs> it because I force myself to do it, but at first you're a little fearful because it's taken you out of that that comfort area. Once we start pushing ourselves to deal with those two things that have a tendency to sort of put us in our ways, our our comfort and our fear, once we start pushing the envelope just a little bit, you don't have to throw yourself out into things, but you start going to things like you know the Lunar New Year, you start going to a Cinco de Mayo celebration, you start going to a Juneteenth celebration and you start embracing the cultural differences, you learn that we all have far more in common than we're different. And that helps two things. It helps us become comfortable with the other cultures. And it helps eliminate the fear, not the dark alley fear, but the fear of of us not being aware. And, um, And it helps us embrace those differences. So I agree. There's a whole lot of rhetoric nowadays saying, you know, we all have to come together. We all have to do all that. But we have to find ways to to specifically have people come together, specifically educate one another about our differences and let people know there's not as much different about us as we think there is, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, I've it, the campaigns helped me a lot. It's helped me get into different areas that I otherwise would to have gotten into and learn. Holy cow. Like, you know, we just had the Lunar New Year celebration. What I mean, what an incredible culture the Asian community is. Oh, yeah. And um, it's so much fun. Yeah. And, and people of those communities love it. When the rest of us come to learn, they want to share their culture. They really do. And, uh, and it's fun. I mean, yeah. and, and so anyway.
0: No, it's good. I like it that a lot. a very
1: simple process, you know?
0: No. And I think, uh, I think hearing that, especially for whoever listens to the podcast living in Arlington, who might potentially vote for you. I think that's good to know. Cause I, again, Local politics—you'll see a lot more change in local politics than you will voting in federal politics. And as as it goes up, you know, you go local, then you go state, so on and so forth. Um, all super important. Um, but hearing where your kind of core ideals are is is key. Like, I want to know your policies. I want to know. I think people want to know what what you'll stand for. But I think that's where a lot of citizens uh, break off of because they the citizens will okay, he's voting for pro life or he's voting for pro choice or. And that's kind of where they stop. And then right. they, they batch these politicians and leaders into this group and say, okay, they're far left or they're far right. And then they stop there. But very little time do we spend actually getting to know the politician. And that's what I've been trying to do with you and Maddie Parker and Deborah Peoples and all these different uh, mayors and politicians around the area. Because I think people need to know who their leaders are.
1: You know, it was funny you say that because, um, One of one of my opponents was talking about me the other day online with some stuff. And uh, this particular opponent considers herself a very conservative person. Well, I have been I have been endorsed by all four police associations. I'm a former cop. All four police associations, the African-Americans, Hispanics, and the two big main police associations have endorsed me. Tarrant County Sheriff has endorsed me. Um, The firefighters have endorsed me. I've received all the big endorsements. So one of my opponents said, well, you you have to really listen and see if these people truly back the blue. I created a back the blue bash in Arlington and raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to support police and the families of fallen officers and I also have given podcasts and interviews with people where I say, listen, I think Black Lives Matter is a legitimate movement. There's significant issues that we can learn as a society from the Black Lives Matter movement. And this isn't a back the blue or back the Black Lives Matter. This isn't one or the other. We can do both. We can back the blue and we can say black lives do matter. And because I've said black lives matter and it's a legitimate movement. And if you can't see it, you're blind because the African-American community has been discriminated against. They have been suppressed, but it doesn't mean I don't back the blue. You can do both and it amazes me that there's still people out there saying you, you can't have it both ways. Hmm. You can either back the cops or back the Black Lives Matter. And I don't buy that
0: yeah. at all. I but don't. that's that's how you divide. That's bottom line how you divide entire societies because they want us to get into uh, across the board, whether it's Black Lives Matter or, uh, again, abortion. They want to put us in these categories. and. Yeah. You just can't like you can totally have amazing conversations hearing about the struggles of both police officers and people in these minority communities that are are really struggling with things like socioeconomic status that really puts them on a lower um, threshold for, for greater quality of life. I've yeah. been there. Like my socioeconomic status hasn't really been great at all. I've been on the poorer side of life for the, the majority of my adult, adulthood. But again, I'm still kind of young. I have that ability to move forward. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I could be under that low SES, but I still want to have these conversations with people to learn. I want to have conversations with you. I just had a conversation with a guy who's inner city, Chicago, um, had a lot of struggles with, uh, gang violence and and police violence. And I wanted to hear his perspective. I am very pro police. Uh, I worked with them. They're great. I love police. I was about to be a cop and I've also had these great conversations with, you know, people on the inner city type of, of life in Chicago. And those are key because I want to get perspectives on both. And I don't think that's happening.
1: It's important to have perspectives on both. And, and, if you can't empathize with each other's position, something's wrong. You know, we we have to be willing to embrace one another and, and understand the differences and help educate one another. Um, I know, you know, I, I, I give an example. You could take um, I drive a truck and I have a nice car. I can take my 60 year old white self and drive down the street. Inner city somewhere, three o'clock in the morning, and assuming I'm not driving like a drunk, I'm probably not going to get pulled over. You could take a young black man with some tattoos on him, young Hispanic guy, anybody like that, tatted up, sort of not looking like my sixty-year-old self does. Put him in my exact same car, let him dive, drive down the same street in the same manner. The odds are. He's going to get pulled over a lot faster than I would. Why is that? Because it's a cultural thing. Doesn't make cops bad. But it's something that we have to look at and understand and embrace. Doesn't make me anti-police because I've been involved with law enforcement my whole life. But it makes me a realist that says, listen. We have to embrace everybody's differences. We can't just hold our hands up and say, no, it's not us. Mm -hmm. I was a young police officer. We didn't run around thinking we're a bunch of racist guys. And I mean, we were the first ones to say we're not racist. But at the same time, you know, if, if we would look at things differently. Yeah. And and it's, it's, it's almost, you know, hard to say, but
0: we did. No, I, I feel you. Cause that's exactly how I felt. I was an EMT in the back of the ambulance in Arlington for a while. And there are certain drugs that are culturally specific, right? Yes. So if like right now, you know, meth is, is a white drug. It's a, but Coke yeah. and cocaine is, is a black drug. Um, so at, when we get people in the back of the ambulance and, you know, we have, uh, a meth doubt, five to hundred pound lady who's just wanting to spit and just twitching all over the place. I, I have found myself treating people like that differently in a bad way than other white people because they're off on or off on or off drugs. It doesn't matter. And same thing with, with uh, uh, black people and coke. That's a culturally behavioral thing. I know it's, people don't want to know that because everything needs to be neutral. Everything needs to be neutral, but that's not the case. I think a lot of the issues here are behaviors and not skin color. Um, Caleb,
1: when when you recognize that, that's a sign of someone who embraces those differences, but more importantly, wants to learn and does enough self-reflection, which we all need to do to say, listen, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect in how we deal with one another. But if we can do enough self-reflection and learn from how we've dealt with people in the past, it makes our relationships in the future
0: better. Yeah. And those are the things I didn't want to do anymore. I realized I would get pissed at these, um whatever race it is, getting in the back of the ambulance and them just wanting a ride to the hospital. But it turned out certain races wanted to do that more. And so I was almost getting pissed off at that race in that community because of of the behavior that they were uh, doing. Not because of skin color, but because of behavior. And I think that's that's key in knowing those differences like you're talking about. Uh, and our
1: cultural differences are are learned with our life experiences they are we're not necessarily born with those you can take you know i have a 2 year old grandson and he'll go to daycare and he has great friends that are black and latino and asian and girls and boys none of these kids Care about each other's ethnicity. Mm -hmm. These two year olds love to just play with each other and they don't care if they're what culture they are. They just know we're all kids and we're going to have fun. But as we grow in life, we learn our cultural differences. We become more divisive. And sometimes maybe we should just
0: act like kids. No, I, you're absolutely right, and that open-mindedness is a key factor for success. The more rigid somebody is in their views, the less likely they are going to be able to succeed to develop these networking opportunities to have and build strong relationships with people who are different than them. And open-mindedness is something that I've I've wanted to, to grow in for a few years now, and I think my experiences in EMT helped me with with a lot of this. I mean, I was 18 when I was first got into the, the EMS business and I was the youngest person at the company. And I was very, again, uh, because you're being so young, you have these like just different mindsets with, with age comes hopefully maturity. Um, And I hope to continue to grow that. And these, these conversations are more of what needs to happen. So you, as, as a potential Arlington mayor, um what are some of the most hard topics and controversial topics you're running into?
1: Um, getting through the pandemics, one of them, you know, um, uh, we are still in a pandemic. I get, we need to, we need to feel normal again. I want to feel normal, just like everybody else. And I want to be able to go to a movie theater and not have to wear a mask. And I want to be able to do those things. And I know that our governor has lifted all the restrictions, but that doesn't mean the pandemic is gone. I don't think that's what Governor Abbott was trying to tell people. I think he's expecting business owners and our citizens here in Texas to continue to do the right thing and help protect one another. But we have to get through the pandemic, but we have to do it in a way without shutting our businesses down. Our economy Cannot afford it anymore. I mean, we've, you know, I'm a business owner. I have I'm a small business owner and I have a restaurant and a law firm and I have felt the significant impact of this pandemic. Um, So we got to keep our businesses open, but we have to stay educated and smart about how we behave around one another, one another when it comes to the pandemic. Um, There's a good part of me that worries that people are relaxing too much too fast. And we're seeing some of that where in Europe, they're starting to get another fourth surge on things. We don't need that type of surging coming back here in the United States now. So I think the biggest issue right now, and there's people on all sides of the fence that say... You know, never wear a mask, always wear a mask, you know, stay quarantined, never quarantine. I don't I don't do all of the, the rhetoric like that. I just think it's a respectful thing to take care of each other. You know, I had covid. I spent a week in the hospital with covid. It wasn't any fun. Um, and now I have both of my vaccines because I'm I'm an old man with old man problems that allow me (laughs) to get it now you know um so i now i have both of my vaccines so i i feel pretty safe but i still wear my mask most of the time when i'm around people unless i'm speaking or something like that because it's out of respect i want others to feel safe around me and um uh, and i think we need to do that you know it's you know, I, I get tired of the rhetoric of, you know, I have a right not to wear it. Well, no, you, you don't. I mean, we have helmet laws. We have seatbelt laws. You know, there's mask laws because helmets and seatbelts and everything help save lives. So do the mask. So that's the biggest, the biggest complicated issue right now. And facing us you know now there are a lot of other issues going on in in Arlington that we have to be aware of we've done great in Arlington with entertainment district and the big businesses and I want to continue to nurture our entertainment district however we really need to focus on small business Arlington's a little upside down right now where we get our revenue. Most of our revenue is coming from residential property taxes, and it should be coming from our corporate taxes. So we need to focus more on bringing other businesses to Arlington, making Arlington more friendly for entrepreneurs uh, and small business owners to come here and do their business. We need to do better at opening of the conduits between our educational facilities, our local governments, our business industry, and our nonprofits. Education is so incredibly important in every community, but especially in this community here. And we need to do better at, at improving our environment when it comes to education. And that includes our universities and colleges and our school district and other things like that. What does that mean? Well, now you're going to get in the detail.
0: <laughs> well, again, again, like uh, we have all these politicians saying we want to do this. We want to do that. It's so broad. It's like, what does that even mean? So I just want to know. I'm curious.
1: No, you know, it's, it's a great question. And um, what it means, everything starts with communication. OK, yeah. um, you can you can put all kinds of different plans in place. But the reality of it is AISD doesn't have the capabilities to fix all educational issues by itself. The city doesn't have the capabilities to fix all educational issues by itself. Private industry can't do it. So what it means is you have to create our own culture, if we can go back to the word culture, You have to create a culture that says we're going to make taking care of our kids a priority. So how do we do that? We bring in local businesses that can say, listen, we can offer internships. We can offer kids an opportunity to come over here and learn this job here. We can offer kids, you know, at at an entry level position, a part time position to learn how to do this stuff here. We partner up with the educational facilities who can then teach those type of programs to get these kids trained to do those things. We work with nonprofits who are saying we will open up and provide free of charge certain monies that will come in and help pay for some of this stuff. And then you open up the city to say we're going to be the catalyst for bringing all of this thing together. Once we have the school district involved, you also have to open that to the young adults like Tarrant County College, UTA, because any given day here in Arlington, we have over 100,000 students being educated with AISD, UTA, TCC, well over 100,000 people a day being educated here. Being educated isn't enough. We want people to get educated. We want people to get jobs as a result of that education. We want people to go to AISD and then want to go to TCC or UTA and stay here and raise their family here. And the way we do that is we partner up. We develop that culture. And right now we have too many separate cultures going on. We have an AISD culture and a city culture and a TCC culture and a business culture. And we have to marry those together. Yep. And once they're all married, then we can create a culture of saying, you know what folks, we're going to take care of our kids together.
0: You know, well, the left, the left arm isn't talking to the right arm right now across the board in education. And that's, and that's, I don't get that. Like, how can we be so, uh, culturally, how do you say this? Uh, how can we so culturally inclusive whenever we don't teach or I guess we teach more to the test and not to the children? So whenever you, uh, each kid is forced to just take, take all their knowledge and, and apply it to only a test, that's not really learning. That's memorizing information. That's, there's no critical thinking analysis. There's no problem solving or troubleshooting. That's how you actually foster passions and learning. It's, it's like, okay, what do you like to learn? You want to learn how to plant a garden? Okay, this is how the steps to plant a garden and why it's so important. Like, yeah, I get Like, we need a foundational education, but we're not being culturally inclusive, so to speak, with learning. How no. do we
1: not? Uh, how? In- and, and so let me give you another example. I'd love to see this happen. I hate to say this too early because I'm mark my word. <laughs> one of my opponents is going to come up and said, I just thought of a great idea and I'm going to make what Caleb and I just talked about an <laughs> idea. All right? So, but you're, you're my witness. This came from us. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's time stamped. It's all right.
1: All right. Good deal. So, so our Arlington, is a huge city. Everybody knows we we are bigger than Pittsburgh. We're bigger than New Orleans. We're bigger than St. Louis population wise. We're the largest city in the country that is not the county hub. In other words, we get lost between Dallas and Fort Worth because Dallas is the county hub over in Dallas County, Fort Worth's the county hub here in, in Tarrant County. So we get lost. We are the 11th most diverse city in the country for the top 100 cities in this nation. What? the 11th most diverse city wow. incredible so how do we how do we embrace our cultural differences how do we help schools and educational facilities start bringing our kids up where those cultural differences aren't divisive anymore yeah. so one of the things i want to do is i want to create The Arlington International Festival, where we bring in our kids, let them help work on these things. But we bring in Latino bands, Asian groups, Africans. We bring in hip hop bands. We bring in food. We bring in street performers. Mm -hmm. We have a massive international cultural festival. Where our kids can help get involved in this stuff, because what better way to start erasing the cultural divides than getting our youth involved in doing that? Mm -hmm. So as they grow up, they embrace the cultural differences and that is something not only would it help us eliminate those cultural divides. But it would help us bring our kids up in a way that it keeps it going forever, helps the communication between the city, the schools, the universities and everything else. But it's a moneymaker. It benefits the city. It benefits small businesses. It benefits everybody Hmm. because we could literally bring hundreds of thousands of people here for an international festival like that.
0: That would be amazing. It
1: would be phenomenal. And so that's now, now don't share that idea with everybody, Caleb. I know you're going to just sort of black that part out of the podcast. If you want me
0: to, I can. It's up to you. (laughs) That's whatever you think, man. I'll do whatever you want me to do. (laughs) I'm
1: teasing you. We're going to make it happen no matter what. Okay. So,
0: so (laughs) practically, what would it take for that to occur?
1: A a hell of a lot of communication. Yeah. uh, And a hell of a lot of work. But, Um, and, and a lot of relationships, Hmm. but I already have a lot of relationships. I can tell. And and we're going to make this work. We're going to make this work. I know, I know the people with our sports teams here and with Texas live and, Hmm. and the Lowe's. And let me tell you something. These, these people are all about this kind of stuff. And I know a lot of the leaders um uh, uh in town with the african american community the latinos the asians everybody else they are all about this kind of stuff and um it brings everybody together
0: so you've mentioned a couple of times now about communication and yeah. a lot of the city leaders i've spoken with that's that's a cons- constant issue. Social media has helped a little bit about getting communication between you know, the city leaders and the people, but that's kind of, it's hard to have communication with keyboard warriors sometimes. So how do you plan on opening up more communication with the city and specifically even young people? Right now, we're not seeing a whole lot of young people reading a whole lot because attention spans don't really last longer than, you know, a 30 second video. So how do you communicate with younger generations if you're the mayor?
1: You know, I, I I hate to say we have to go old school sometimes, but we have to go old school sometimes. Social media is great. I love social media. My campaign's using it. My business uses it. Um, it's great. But not everybody gets into social media. For instance, you know, you can't just rely on social media, for instance, when the big and came through here and yeah. we have the whole snow coming in because there's a lot of elderly citizens in Arlington who don't look at social media at all. They don't do any of that. So we have to find other ways to communicate with one another. One of the ways is to get togethers. We can, you know, when we start getting to a point where we can get face to face to have meetings, maybe mailings, maybe other things, but it has to, there's no single dimensional way of, of fixing those issues. They're all multidimensional. Yeah. You have to combine issues or, or combine, uh pathways to get to, to resolve those issues. You can't just do it at one fail swoop.
0: And I, I definitely agree, but how do you uh, really start attacking the younger generation? You have the people who don't do the mailings who don't come to town halls who uh, rely heavily on social media or something like that. How do you start uh, getting more of those people involved?
1: Well, I think one of the ways is just like what we talked about. You start inviting them into things. You start working with the school districts and with the universities to say, we're doing something like an international festival here. We want the schools to work together and come up with something and get them active, give the kids something to be proud of. You know, (sighs) People used to teach a class called verbal judo when I was a cop. OK, I like that. And one of the principles in verbal judo as a police officer was if you and I are talking and you tell me and you do it here, I don't even know if you know you're doing it, but I'll say something and you'll say, well, Jim, I've noticed you have said such and such a lot. What do you mean by this? So you're paraphrasing back to me what you've heard me say. And when you when you do that, people want to hear what they're saying more than what anybody else is saying. So I'm going to pay attention to what you're paraphrasing back to me to do two things to make sure you got it right. Yeah. And correct you if you're wrong. Yeah. So we have to give the kids an opportunity to hear their own words coming back to them. We have to reach out to them because it is important that they understand we're listening. You know, one of the things I want to do as mayor is I want to meet regular, regularly with juniors and seniors in high school. And why do I want to meet with juniors and seniors in high school? Because we don't ever give them enough credit. hmm We have some incredibly smart kids, but more importantly, they need to know that they're smart and appreciated because when they start hearing that coming back, what gives them more ambition, what gives them more fire is for the fact that they feel like somebody's actually listening to them. And that's a way to start getting them involved in things. That's good. Once you get some of them involved, then it's like a little yeah, wildfire. You yeah. got to get that nucleus going and let them get everybody
0: else on. Well, all right. So final thoughts. Um, say you get elected and you're mayor, you know, the president have the first hundred days or whatever. What are the first say three things that you're going to do if you become mayor? All right.
1: First thing we've already talked about, and that's the COVID issue. Okay. We have to, we have to, continuously get as many vaccines out as we can we have to continuously educate our our citizens about and our residents here in arlington about the the necessity of still staying safe and we have to get our businesses back open as much as possible and get them making money again that's first and foremost the second thing is jobs 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 we have all been hit for the last year by this pandemic and we need to create more jobs in arlington and the faster we can do it the better we are and one of the ways we can do it is we could start eliminating the red tape that is that 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 bottlenecks the process to get a business open here in arlington The third thing we need to do is to make sure we're adequately addressing all of our safety concerns in the community. And that means taking care of the police and firefighters, but also recognizing that there are significant social concerns out there that need to be addressed as well. Um, Arlington has hired a new police chief recently. I am extraordinarily excited about Chief Al Jones. Um, I've had a few opportunities to speak with him. I know a lot of officers in Arlington. He seems to have hit the ground running and I think he's going to be just wonderful for the city. So we need to give that man what he needs to help run the police department, help okay. take care of this
0: community. Why is he the best?
1: Well, I he may not be the best. Yeah, okay. But, why is okay. why are you so excited? But here's what I here's what I feel about Al, Al Jones. I think he's a a very pragmatic guy who listens before he jumps into making decisions. He looks and listens about what's going on in the police department. I think he's sensitive to the community concerns when it comes to the social issues that are out there. He's big on community policing getting police officers hooked up with their community so that you know who your beat cop is and your beat cop knows who his residents are. Chief Jones is big on that. He's all about taking care of cops and taking care of them in a good way. But he's also about taking care of the community and the social issues that are out there and having a community based policing program here in Arlington. So I think he's, he's, he's educated. He's smart. He has a lot of common sense, um, uh, very personable guy. Um, I, I think he's a great choice and a great fit for Arlington. So I'm excited to have him here.
0: That's amazing. And that was at the last, uh, the third thing that was it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Perfect. COVID jobs, safety.
0: Perfect. Well, Mr. Ross, I I know you got a bunch of other stuff to do. So I really appreciate you coming on the the show. We had a great conversation. Um, I think these open conversations need to have happen more, especially with uh, people who may have different views. And that's that's uh, that's key, and which is why I like that community policing, the uh, the idea that he's really attacking uh, the community in, on these social issues in a good way. He's willing to listen. Uh, yeah. Hearing that in city leaders, both yourself, the the police chief, is key. I think also people need to know that having that, that open minded people leading their city, willing to listen, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, well, Thank- I appreciate you, Caleb. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Thank you. You have a good one, man. Take care. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.